It is, it is such a joy to be in a place of where uh, you can be vulnerable, um, transparent, because you know that the Spirit of God is doing a work inside of you. And um, that, is, that is the goal. That is the, um, the desire of all hearts is that the Holy Spirit will continue to do a work in us and bring about his purposes and his plan for our lives. And so that, that's, that's exciting. And I just want to thank the Lord again um, for how he's moving and just doing some great things. So, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for the way that you're moving in, in our midst. And we thank you, Lord, for your word and for all that you desire to do in the earth. And we just come in alignment with that. In the name of Jesus, Father, we're here this morning. Those who are joining us online, we're here, Father, for you to have your way. Uh, we're here, Lord, for you to minister to us and that um, that your will be accomplished in our lives and the lives of those people that we are connected to. And so we welcome and we thank you um, and we just pray your blessing upon the word that is going to be shared uh, this morning, we honor you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me invite you, please, to uh, get your Bible. And we're going to turn to the book of Luke. The book of Luke, uh, chapter number 7. Luke, chapter number 7. One second. There we go. Luke, chapter number 7. We're going to start from verse 36. To verse uh, 50. We won't read all of these scriptures, um, but we will begin and just read verse 36. I encourage you at uh, a time to read the entire uh, scripture and go through this again. It is a very powerful, powerful uh, message, I believe, for the church and for what we are entitling today's message is my church, my love. My church, my love. And this is God who is speaking through Jesus and letting us know that it's his church he's building and it's his love that we need. Amen. Amen. So uh, from the New Living Translation of Luke chapter 7, verse 36, it says, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home. Isn't that amazing? So here they say, hey, Jesus, the greatest preacher ever, <laughs> the son of God, a Pharisee who we would know as Simon. Hey, Jesus, can you come and have dinner with me? And so Jesus says, sure, I'll come to your house and have dinner with you and sat down to eat. Father, we thank you so much that you are breaking barriers to get to our hearts and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, what, what I need to do as I begin this message is I need to set things up for Wednesday's teaching. Um, originally, what I had planned and what I felt in my heart to preach on was about uh, my church, my bride, or what I call my body, my bride. And the Lord spoke to me and he says, well, um, you need to kind of lay a foundation on the topic of love. The most massive topic in the scriptures is, the, is, is love. And so in order for me to really dive into Ephesians chapter 4 and 5, we've got to lay the groundwork because please understand that whatever the New Testament writers wrote about, it was about Jesus. 
Amen. So you got to know the Gospels to understand the epistles, to understand the book of Revelation. And so it is important that we look at Jesus and how he lays the foundation of what's really important. And so I love the church. Can someone say amen? I do. I love the church. Now, there's a difference between the church that maybe you're experiencing and the church that Jesus is building. I love the church that Jesus is building. And I would encourage you to love that church. The church that Jesus is building. Who's building this church? Jesus is. And so twice the word church is used by Jesus. He used the word twice. But then the New Testament writers, Paul and, and, and Luke and the rest of them, uh, wrote about church. But we have to go back and we've got to get back to the foundation, which is really Jesus. And so I love the church because of what the church means to me, what it means to me. And perhaps you love the church and you have your reason for loving the church. And so when I first got saved at the young age of 18 years uh, uh, old and I got saved and and when I came into church, there was an individual, a couple actually, and their names were Michael and Patricia. And, and so one was the elder in the church and the other one led and was part of worship. And so I would look at their marriage, I looked at their life, and it impacted me tremendously as a single person. I came into church and I was wandering and just seeing some things. And I came from a traditional uh, black Pentecostal church, you know, and, and I remember the first time I went to preach and and I love wearing cardigans, and I remember uh, I had this nice cardigan. I think someone bought it for me for Chris, uh, for my birthday. And and back then, my birthday was celebrated for a month, and nothing has changed, right? You know what I mean? And so it was like I celebrated for for a month, and I had this cardigan. I remember I was up there, and I was supposed to come and exhort, and and I was ready to rock my cardigan. And my pastor goes, where are you going? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm going to go and exhort. He goes, no, you're not. He goes, where's, where's your jacket, and, and where's your tie? And I said, you got to be kidding me. And so he got one of the elders who had this ugly jacket had to put that on and to put on this tie that didn't match and I went up there and I exhorted why because I love the church I love the church I was willing to be corrected if it means I can love the church even more because Jesus is building his church who's building the church oh aren't you glad he's building the church no I'm serious let's just take a praise break out I'm so glad he is the one who is building his church Mm. Glory to God. I'm so glad for that. Because I couldn't do that, put on that ugly jacket and the tie if it wasn't Jesus who was building this church. And so I went and I exhorted. And so uh, in the church is where I learned how to be single. It was in the church I learned about marriage. And the reason that's important is because if we get to this particular text, and it's all going to make sense, trust me on this one, or at least trust the Lord that it's going to make sense, or pray that it's going to make sense. Um, But we think, we look at marriage, and then we see the church. And we have it wrong because the enemy attacks marriage for the goal of messing the church up. So he wants us to get distracted over here, so we miss what's going on over here. The Bible teaches it's the church that you see that reflects marriage. And the church is what Jesus is building. Society and everybody else can change and make meanings of anything they want to, but they can't mess with the church. Come on. And that's the safest place to be is in the church, and that's why we love the church. And we can see here because, because the greatest preacher, you may have your favorite preachers, but the greatest preacher of all time is Jesus. Hands down, no one can even come close 
the most articulate, the most educated, the most creative, the most innovative pastor, preacher, apostle, any individual that breathes, inhale, and exhale, they can't compare to Jesus. Oh, you got to get that in your mind because we do like to have great communication and people who can deliver the message that gives us a sense of what the word is saying. But if we are moved away from Jesus, we have a tendency to miss the church he's building. The one thing that can unify the entire world is Jesus building his church. Whether you're underground in China or whether you're above ground in America, guess who's building his church? Jesus is. And our text before us tells us that, that he was invited to have dinner, and so he went to the home. That's amazing. That Jesus was invited. Hey, Jesus, um, I know you're busy with God's assignment, but can you come to my home and have a meal? And Jesus says, yes, because he wanted people to understand that he is the example and that he is the Son of God. And so because of that, I thank God. And that's why every time we gather, the number one thing we must say is this. Jesus, I invite you in this space. Every time we come together corporately, now privately, God, I invite you into my private world. But publicly, we want to tell Jesus, hey, Jesus, you're invited in this public space as well. That my private life reflects my public life. Why? Because I love the church. I love the church. I can't say it about maybe the place I work at. It might be a paycheck, a way of making a living. But when it comes to the church, I'm always going to say, because Jesus, you are building the church, I invite you in every single space of my life, private and public. And when you do that, you hear these words, Jesus said, it's my church and it's also my love. It's my church, it's it's my love. Uh, there is a uh, of the people who are saying, I am done with church. It doesn't make sense to me. You may have had a bad experience with church, but you can't be done with church because you are the church. So there's a deeper issue that's going on. It's not that you're done with church. You can't be done with what God is building. Are you out of your mind? You may not understand all that God is doing, but there is a rise. I'm done with the church. And the reason for that, I believe, is because they haven't understood God's love for the church. But there's also the rise of what they call the nuns. These are people that have no affiliation whatsoever. They would say, I'm spiritual, not religious. And so in the category of determining people's uh, 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 belief system, we got a category now called nuns. That I have no affiliation whatsoever. I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. And part of that is because they came from, I am done with church. I'm done with church. It amazes me, but it also encourages me that probably the greatest harvest out there are people who one time used to grace the halls of a church. They are no longer in church. They're no longer part of what God is doing. Now, I'm not talking about attendance. I'm just talking about people who actually says that that has no relevance in my life. No relevance in my life. The Bible says in Luke 7, 36, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his house and sat down to eat. You see, the greatest subject we have to study is the subject of love. 
For there's a great confusion and there's great fear um, that has set in as long as, and here's what people believe, as long as you love, as long as you don't speak or judge any societal behavior, uh, because they'll know we are Christian by our love, this does not mean we offer a free pass to sinful behavior and do not speak about truth and about belief. But we don't do that. Not the church that Jesus is building. The church Jesus is building offers hope. It offers a way to, write, write this down, it, off, it offers a way to, number one, freedom. It offers a way to freedom, to really be set free from the struggle that he knows is the reality of living in a fallen world. Number two, he offers forgiveness. He offers freedom and forgiveness. The church that, that Jesus is building, my goodness, I want to shout, because the church he's building offers access to freedom and also forgiveness. Oh, my goodness. And he offers faith. The three things that we're seeing in this text that, that, that we're going to be able to expose is this, is that the church he's building first and foremost offers freedom because the Bible says that, that you will know the son and the son will set you free. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Someone say freedom. Freedom, yeah. Forgiveness. Oh my goodness. Thank God for that. And how to live by Faith, that's what church is, that when we gather together, we see people are walking in freedom, struggling, but walking in freedom. That doesn't make any sense. If you know the church he's building, it'll make a lot of sense because now you're realizing because I'm forgiven and the enemy can't lie to me anymore and keep me in bondage. Why? Because I'm free, because the word of God says I'm free. And so he gives me the faith to believe the forgiveness so I can walk in freedom. That's the church he's building. That's the church. That gathers corporally. Aren't you glad you're part of the church? I'm not walking away from that. And what has happened is that people haven't seen that demonstrated because of lack of love. Because lack of love. You see, this word love has become a surface level word. And I quote, conveying almost nothing. I love Fridays. I love cookies. I love my wife. I love that show. All of that, that I love God. So there's really no distinction between the first couple of things and I love God. And so what he wants you to understand is this, that freedom, forgiveness, and faith is not on the same level as surface level stuff. He actually wants us to understand this, that our culture has a wide range of instances where the word love is acceptable. We love almost everything that feel positive about, and, and excuse me, and just about everything that we hate as well that carries negativity. So in other words, we feel positive in our feelings about what is love, and we also feel when it's negative about hate. And so we are at that particular level. And he says, no, he says, what you must understand is this, that there's a deeper meaning of the word love. And that can only be found, ready, in the church. That there's a love that is only available in the church. Oh, my goodness. And so what's great about it is that we're going to see right here that one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat because he's saying that in this space, in this home, there's a greater love than your invitation for me to come. Oh God. Watch this now. So here's what is happening. We have, we have faulty feelings or, or here's, here's how it comes. Nobody loves me. 
I'm in the church, but a feeling is that nobody loves me. No, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Somebody, please love me. So first we start with nobody loves me. So then we get to a place like somebody, as long as you're breathing, please love me. And then finally we says anybody, please anybody, love me. And so the reason for that is because we want and we desperately need to be loved. Why is that? That's a great question to ask. Why do we need, why do we need to be loved? Why do we need to be loved? The answer is this. First, because God is love. Write that down. Why do we need to be loved? First, is because God is love. So why do I need to be loved? Why am I saying somebody love me? Someone please love me? It's because God is love. And so we look further now and we know second is we need to know how to love. You can't know how to love if God is not love in your life. You will be frustrated. You will be desperate. You will never get to a place of understanding. Guess what? Ready? Freedom, forgiveness, and faith. And so the first thing is I have this desire. I desperately need to know what it means to be loved because God is love. And second, I need to know how to love because anything or any activity outside of God's love is perversion. It's corruption. And it leads to the destruction of a nation, a society, a family, a people. And so we trace everything back and we look at everything that's going on. It comes back to a place where we don't understand love. It comes all the way back to at its core. It is that. It comes all the way back to that issue right there. Is that we are desperate to know what it means that God is love and that we need to love. The church only has room and space for the agape love of God. It only has room for that. If it embraces any other love outside of that, it will create perversion. And then what happens is our agendas will come in the way and then people will get a bad or have an experience that doesn't line up with what God has for them. And so the only space that the church has is for the love of God, the unconditional agape love of God. But here's the challenge. The culture also has room for love of the world. So we have these two spaces that's battling to promote their love. And so the church was supposed to be promoting the love of God and the world's promoting the love of the world. And what happens is this. Here's what happens is if we don't understand the difference between the love of God and the love of the world, we will have one infiltrate the other one and influence the other one. Oh, come on. And so people will come from the love of the world, come into the church, and if they see that the church is loving like the world, there is no freedom, there is no forgiveness, and there's no faith being present. And people say, I'm done with that, I might as well go back into the world. Why? Because there's no difference. There's no space for the agape love of God. I might as well go back into the world where I get unconditional love, and where I was hurt. My church, my love, my goodness. I can end right there and just say, let's have an altar call. And so because people come from the world, they come. Guess what? The word church means ecclesia. It means called out ones. 
It means that the Holy Spirit is calling people out into his church. And what happens is they leave one love and they're supposed to come and be and be transformed by another love. But if the love is the same, they're confused. They're confused. And so therefore, they have no idea what to look at. And so and so my love is, excuse me, my church is the unconditional love. You ready for this? The, the unconditional love, the agape, is about the liberty to know who God is. It is about you receiving the freedom to know who God is. And that's exactly what he's doing here in this text. He's getting to a place of where he's saying, I'm going to give you the liberty to know about my love. Now, the Pharisee invited him in for a meal, but watch what God does. God is, what's what Jesus does. He's so amazing because he understands now what this person needs, what the space needs is love. What the space needs is love. So if you're in an argument, if you're in something that's going on, just breathe and says, we got to make space for love. Come on. We got to make space for love so we can understand then what the Holy Spirit wants to communicate to us. And what the Holy Spirit wants to communicate to us is that God is love. And so my love then is to know who God has made me to be. Oh God. Who God has made me to be his church. So how do we do that from a practical way? Thanks for asking. The first thing is this. That's why I'm encouraging every single one in the sound of my voice to have coffee and conversation with somebody. Make space for where God can bring and show his agape love. You see, it's critical, and I tell people all the time, and I was reminded on Wednesday that you can do tea and talk if you don't want to do coffee and conversation. Thank you, Pastor Teresa. Praise God for those who don't like coffee. But this takes intentionality to do this. To be able to go to somebody and realize that if the love of the world has infiltrated them, you who know the love of God, the greatest thing you can do is to bring freedom to somebody. It's to be able to say, let's have coffee and conversation. Why? Because I know I need for you to experience the love of God, which brings freedom. Why? Because I need for you to be who God has called you to be. Who God has made you to be. The world is bombarded with the identity crisis for too long. Come on. And they have mastered that in media and in the messaging. But the church now needs to realize we got the Messiah, come on, and we got the power of the Holy Spirit. That though they got the airways, come on, we got the power of the Spirit of God that able to, to, to be able to control exactly what is going on. So here he now goes. And he says he's in the space and he eats. And then verse 37 says, when a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. So here it is now that they go to this meeting. Jesus says, yes, I'll come to the meal. And Jesus, in his obedience to demonstrate the love of God, created an atmosphere, a flow, so to speak, that pulls somebody else. Listen, when you walk in love, you are pulling people out of the world. Come on. When you walk in love, you are pulling a flow. Come on. That is pure. You're pulling the flow of the Spirit of God for people to show up in places uninvited. Can we believe that people are going to walk through 1300 Mount Vernon uninvited by anybody because of love in this place? People left that space and said, I'm coming to this place. Why? Because the love of God is here. And so because Jesus moved by the Spirit of God, this woman came and she brought something with her. She brought worship with her. 
And she brought worship. People brought meals, but she brought worship. Come on. One was satisfying the physical. She was looking to satisfy the spiritual. And so she gets there, and then it says in verse 30, then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And before men, we think that this is just a chick thing. He actually addresses love to the man. Come on. And so he wants us to realize that it's not about just the emotion. It's about an encounter. And an encounter is not whether you're male or female. An encounter is because who God is. So maybe you don't cry, but you raise your hands. Come on. Maybe you don't shout, but you are doing something to acknowledge that this worship is costing me something. That I come to acknowledge the king and I come to acknowledge that he's in this space, that he has been invited into this space. Verse 39, when the Pharisee who has invited him saw that he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he wouldn't know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. Now I want you to get the reason why we should have coffee and conversation. This is what God is. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Listen, I just feel this in my spirit right now. God is releasing something in this place. He's releasing his church to be the church. That's You got to write that down. In 2021, God is releasing his church to be the church. We are no longer going to hide in the closet. Come on, come on. No, we're no longer going to be ashamed of the gospel. He's releasing his church to be the church. Why? Because people need freedom. Say with me, freedom. Come on. People need freedom. How can we have freedom and have somebody in bondage and not welcome the power and the presence of God to set people free? If you truly want somebody to spend the rest of your life with that person ought to come from the church and so god is saying right now by my spirit he's releasing you to be the church he's he's releasing you to be the church and and the reason why he's doing this is because here's the deal see the reason why this happened if you read the text was this jesus had already preached someplace else this was the woman's follow-up, come on, to fellowship. Oh, come on. She didn't just go to church, hear the message, and shut it down. She's like, oh, no, no, no. I want freedom today. I want freedom tomorrow. I want freedom the next day. I want forgiveness the next day. I need forgiveness from God every single day. I don't know about you, but I need forgiveness every single day. Lamentation says, great is your faithfulness. Your mercies are new every single morning. God, I need your forgiveness every moment of my life. And so in Luke chapter 14, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. We need a church that's filled with the power of God. And that's why he said, I'm releasing my church because you have the Spirit's power. Come on, to be able to declare over nations, to declare over families the love and the mighty move of God. And the Bible says, report about him spread quickly throughout the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogue and was praised by everyone. So what had happened was Jesus was in a synagogue. He was preaching. And what happened was the Pharisee who was in attendance says, hey, I want you to come to my house. It was almost like giving Jesus an honorarium. It was almost like, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to feed you for preaching. And so Jesus said, okay, fine, come, and I'm going to feed you. And so what happened was this woman would be in the synagogue. She would be there. And so she realized, where is Jesus going? Come on. 
Wherever Jesus goes, I'm going to go. See, when you want freedom, you will go over the mountain. Come on. You will go through the valleys. You will go through whatever it takes to know what freedom is. How many want freedom? Shout freedom. Oh, my goodness. I want freedom. I want to be free because when I'm free, I can be who God has made me to be. Come on. So she was hearing the word of God, and what she was hearing was not what other rabbis was preaching. She says they preach based on experience. He's preaching based on encounter. Oh, God. And she says, I'm going to follow him. And she goes. And so they're there. And so all of a sudden, the scene is set now. And so all of a sudden, here was what the Pharisee said. He said, she's a sinner. If he was a prophet, if he was like Elijah, if he was the one we're supposed to put a faith in. So the Pharisee was in service but didn't believe what Jesus was saying. And so all of a sudden now they're there, and Jesus now goes in verse number 40, and he says, uh, Simon, um, I have something to say to you. He says, go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. And then Jesus goes and tells a story of what I call the lesson on unconditional love. He says, hey, hey, here's a story. He says there were two people. Um, one owed 500 pieces of silver or, or a day's wages, right? And that would be 20 months. So this person was in debt for 20 months of wages. That was the debt that they were in. And another person was in debt 50 pieces or two months. And so he goes and he tells a story. And he says now, um, he says, now, now, now both of them, neither one of them can repay it. So we say they're, they're the same. Even though the amount's different, they're the same. Come on, someone may not be struggling with what you're struggling with, but it's the same. Someone may not be feeling what you're feeling, but it's the same. Come on, and that's why people, when they show up, we got to recognize that they have issues as well that they're dealing with. And guess what? You can't repay it. They can't repay it. We're in the same boat together. Come on, we need a Savior who can help us and who can deliver us. And so the lesson on unconditional love is where here it was, where, where Jesus was saying, hey, Simon, I know you're a Pharisee, but guess what? You're in the same situation as this woman. It says, realize now that, that you need a Savior and that you need God. And this word debt in the Hebrew, uh, this word represents both trespasses and sin. It's the same word. So it's saying whether or not you think you sin, you've trespassed. And trespassing means to step over a boundary. And so the boundary he could have stepped over was the judgment he brought upon the woman without having the love of God. Oh, come on, somebody. See, it's not that we can't judge. Don't judge empty. You've got to be full of the Holy Ghost. you got to be full of love. If you're going to judge, you got to be full of the Spirit's power. So you're dealing with someone spirit to spirit. Come on. And not flesh to flesh. And so here it is that God gives you spiritual discernment, but you go in the flesh because of judgment and you lose the opportunity to create space for God to move. So verse 42 says, neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both. He forgave them both. He forgave them both. In the same room, different debts. But the Savior forgave them both. There is no sin that you can have, that you can struggle with, that the Savior can't save you from. 
That's freedom right there. Don't let the devil lie to you and say that you need it. Don't let the devil lie to you and say you can't get free of it. Come on. Don't let the devil lie to you and think it's not hurting anybody. What we need is the forgiveness of God. And so Simon answered when he says, um, so who do you suppose loved him more after that? Let's pause there for just a moment. So he turns to Simon and he says, now, Simon, he forgave them both. Who do you think loved him more? And the answer, he says, well, I suppose the one whom he canceled the larger debt. My understanding of this is there are people who shout that you don't want to silence. Come on. The blind man on the road, when Jesus was walking by, he says, he says, who is that walking by? There's a crowd. There's a commotion. There's a people going and blind Bartimaeus. And he says, he says, it's Jesus, the son of David. He says, oh, I'm going to change my volume now. And he says, oh, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. And he keeps walking. He has to stop there. Oh, son of David, have mercy on me. He's not hearing me. Oh, son of David, have mercy on me. I don't need your money. I need a miracle. Come on. I don't need a cane. I need for you, Lord God, to speak your love over me. And the disciples went, hey, 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 come on. Keep keep it down. Keep it down. And he got louder. Come on. And so there are moments in corporate worship. Come on. I'm not saying being the flesh. I'm talking about being in the spirit. There are times when you realize I've tried to fight this thing on my own. And I'm not getting the victory. But I was told if I come together corporately. I was told that one shall chase a thousand, two shall put ten thousand to flight. I was told if I come in agreement with somebody who knows Jesus that my situation can change. So I'm not going to get quiet. I'm going to get louder. I'm going to shout even more intense. Why? Because I need Jesus to set me free. He canceled the larger debt. That's why when people are praising God, I join in. Because I have no idea what God is doing, but I know he's doing something. I have no clue because I'm not nosy. Come on. But all I know is if you're having a party, I want to join your party. Come on. Come on. There's some people you can't invite to the party. They'll spoil the party. But there's some people, you know who you are back in the world. You invite them to the party because you know they made the party different. They were the difference maker of the party. Come on, y'all acting like you never used to do that. Oh, you better believe it. I didn't start to go until 1 o'clock in the morning. Because I had to wait for everybody to sleep because we're still all night. Why? Because you are the life of the party. Those are the people that I want to hang with. And so when I find my brothers and sisters in Christ who knows how to get down and worship, who can do a hallelujah, a thank you, Jesus, a yes, Lord. Come on, come on. A yes, thank you, Jesus. Bless him, brother. Come on. When you get in that atmosphere, you know that God is doing something marvelous in our lives. These quiet, frozen churches, come on, somebody. God needs to release them and thaw them out so they can start being radical and start being resistant to the culture and to the world. We got to not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not talking being emotional. I'm talking about celebrating an encounter with Jesus Christ. Because who wants freedom? Who wants forgiveness? Who wants to live by faith? That's the church I want to be a part of. That's the church that I want to spend my time with. And so what we have to do is this. If you want to be a person who understands freedom, forgiveness, and faith, you have to know the difference between reacting to Jesus' love and responding to Jesus' love. We've got to know the difference. Look what Jesus says to Simon. Verse 44, verse 8. Uh, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, I love this. Now watch this. Get the picture of it. 
So he's talking to Simon. And he's telling the story. And he says, who do you think will love more? And Simon says, well, I guess the one you canceled the larger debt. He goes, okay. So he moves away from Simon. He turns to the woman, but yet he's still talking to Simon. And so what he's doing here is what? He turned to the woman and said to Simon. So now he wants to acknowledge and let this woman know there's freedom in what I'm about to say. That the words he said put you in bondage. Come on. That the judgment puts you in bondage. Whenever we judge, it's about freedom, not about bondage. Come on, he's releasing the church. He's releasing the church. When parents are correcting you, it's not about bond, it's about freedom. Come on. Whenever you're correcting somebody, it's about freedom. It's about forgiveness. It's about faith. It is not about being in a prison. Come on. It's not about being paralyzed. And so here he says now that after he told the story, he turns to the woman. Now, while he's still talking to Simon, he's saying now to the woman, listen, this is what it's about. It's about your freedom. I know you see that I'm talking to him, but I'm looking at you. So he goes, I got both of you. I've got both of you. And so therefore we come to church together and he's saying, listen, that, that, listen, Simon, you're reacted to my love, but what you need is a response to my love. He says, when I entered your home, number one, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet. Number two, you didn't greet me with a kiss. Number three, you neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head. So I'm in your house invited, but I'm not in your heart invited come on oh come on and here we sang for 45 50 minutes inviting the lord to come into the space guess what we want him into our hearts why so we can respond to his love why because what we need say with me is freedom forgiveness and faith that's what we need He's releasing his church. I keep hearing that in my spirit. He's releasing his church to not react, but to respond. Come on, to the love that God is pouring out. See, the message this woman heard was so powerful because she recognized in Luke 4, 6 to verse 18. It says in verse number 18, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released. He has come to open the eyes of the blind and the oppressed to be set free. That's what Jesus came to do. And when Jesus is in our midst, guess what happens? Bondage are being broken off. Blind eyes are being opened. People are being healed. Can I get one person that wants to believe that the same God who did it in this first century can do it in the 21st century? Yes, he can. He's releasing his church. Who is here this morning that I'm preaching to that God has said, I'm giving you my favor so you can bring freedom, forgiveness, and faith to a people who said I'm done with church. No, you're not. You may be done with church, but God has said, I am not finished with you. I got a work for you to do. Good God Almighty. And so, how do you know the difference? The three things that Simon did was he didn't wash his feet, he didn't kiss him, and he didn't give him uh, oil for his head, to anoint his head. But when you respond to Jesus' love, here's what it looks like. Ready? When you respond to Jesus' love, you then say this. Number one, when you respond to Jesus' love, you say this. First and foremost, I'm accepted. That's the first thing. I'm accepted. I'm accepted by God. For she washed his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Second thing is you are adopted. You are adopted. You're no longer part of the culture. You're not part of the body of Christ. 
You've been engrafted into the body of Christ. So when people says, who are you? You tell them, I've been accepted by the beloved. What do you mean? I've been accepted by the power of God. I am accepted. So guess what? I'm no longer available to the culture and to the world. He says, you've been adopted. And number three, you've been anointed. And we're going to finish with this. Last Sunday when I was preaching, or it was during worship, I really sensed the Lord was saying, my love come to transform you. I believe that everything inside of me, we're going to end with this. Because this is what is important. Father, I thank you that you're releasing your church right now into the world. You're releasing your church, my church, my love into the world. I want you please just to close your eyes because I want to really maximize this moment. I don't, I don't want this moment to be missed. Come on, worship team. I don't want this moment to be missed. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I get it now. I get it. I get it. There is freedom that's going to be released in this place this morning. You are not walking out of this place in bondage again. No, 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 no. No. You're going to be free to make decisions that honor God. Oh, come on, come on, come on. There is no situation that you're facing that God and his love cannot deal with, cannot address. There are people who are saying, I'm done, but you're saying God is not finished. Come on. Hallelujah. I want you to go to Romans chapter 5, my last scripture, Romans chapter 5, verse 5 to verse 8. I want you to notice the challenge. See, see, uh, Minister Josephine, you can go to somebody, you can say, man, I love you. And if they don't realize that they're accepted, they're adopted, they're anointed, they may think you mean on some surface level. And never give you space for the power of God to work in your life. And so we've got to tell people is this, that the moment you accept Jesus, you're accepted, you're adopted, even anointed by the Holy Spirit, it's the guarantee inside of you. It's kind of weird, but if you're dating somebody, this is a great pickup line. Hey, are you uh, accepted? Are you adopted? <laughs> are you anointed? You're like, what's wrong with you? Okay, so you still love the world. <laughs> I'm serious. I remember when my spiritual daughters were dating, I would tell them, give them, give them my number. And they would call like, hello. I'm like, who's this? This is Fred. I'm like, what's this row? Who are you calling? And it changes everything. I'm serious. When you realize that you've been accepted, that you've been adopted, that you have been anointed. Oh, God. See, see we, we used to do the anointing by getting the oil and, and putting on you as a symbol of that. But... But the word anointed was really where the shepherd would take the oil and he would rub it into the sheep because the animals and the bugs would bug, but they would rub it into them. And so in 2021, you're not going to make it if you don't realize you're anointed by God. You don't make it. And so in Romans chapter 5, he says, love transforms us. 
and, and I love, I want, this is the New Living Translation. I want you to really meditate on this because what the woman did by bringing the expensive perfume and by using everything possible, she used things that she worked for and she used things that was part of her. She says, my tears that I'm crying are going to be used and the ointment that I worked for is going to be used. When you are anointed by God, every single part of you is involved in the experience of the encounter with God. You hold nothing back from Jesus. What are you holding back? God said, I'm going to release you. Hold nothing back. Tell your experience because you've been accepted. Tell them the story so I get the glory. Tell them. Show them freedom because love transforms us. And so my prayer is when people come through those doors or people come through the doors where you're having coffee and conversation, come on, when they walk through those doors, you're realizing you're going to leave transformed because I'm making space, come on, for the love of God to move. And so here is what he said. And this is hope. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. Oh, come on. Mm. For we know how dearly God loves us. How do you know? Because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. He says, you can't do it on your own. So I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Good God Almighty. And when we talk about being a spirit-filled church, we're not talking about just an emotional encounter. We're talking about that we actually carry the love of God inside of us because the Spirit of God lives in us because we don't know how to do it without the Holy Spirit. Can God release you this morning? Or are you still tied down? to love of the culture. Can he release you this morning to experience his love that will require you to give him everything. Everything you worked for, everything that's part of you. We're here to celebrate the love of God. Now, later on, people are going to be celebrating with their roses and their meals and all those things, the increase of income for the economy, come on, and that's fine and that's okay. But what I want to know today is will you allow God to love on you? Will you allow God to release you filled with his spirit? Will you allow God, will I allow God to be able to say, God, I want this freedom. I want this forgiveness. I want to live by faith. Come on. There are so many people. I promise you, just Google or ask somebody and say, let me ask you a question. Are you done with church? And they'll tell you. And this is why. It says, come on. No, there's freedom. There's forgiveness. There's faith. Don't give up on God. He hasn't forgiven up on you. He's not done with you yet. He still wants to do a work in your life. Make space for him. With every, bowed, every, with every head bowed, every eyes closed. He wants to release you in 2021. What have you been holding back? What have you been holding back? He wants to release you because love transforms. What is it? What are you afraid of? What has hold you? What is holding you down? What is going on? This is the greatest year for the church to shine. This is the greatest moment. People are open. People want freedom. People want forgiveness. They need to be forgiven. They need to live by faith. They need freedom. If that's you and you don't mind standing or raising a hand with every head bowed, every eyes closed, you're going to say, God, release me. Release me, God. Release me. 
Release me to share your freedom. Release me to share the forgiveness. Release me, God, to tell people how to live by faith. Put those hands. Thank you.